All right, Justin, sing me a song about anything that's really popular, even though it shouldn't be. <laughs> about anything that is but shouldn't be? Yeah. Is that what you sing, said? Or any fucking popular song that's popular that shouldn't be. The any song that's popular and it shouldn't be. Wow. Uh, what's that song? Uh, oh, green, I'll be all done. If I was green, I would die. I'll be all done. If I was green, I would blue. I'll be all done. That song. That shouldn't be popular. Oh, wow. Acceptable. Yeah. You went to a random song on that one. I was not, I was not ready for that. <laughs> what you know about being blue, man? Isn't that what it's <laughs> called? Blue? Yeah, that's yeah. blue. But yeah, no, I was definitely not ready for that one. <laughs> uh, Heather, what about you? You do the same thing. Sing a song that's popular that shouldn't be. A song that, okay. Let me think. I had problems with this last time too. Um, popular but shouldn't be. Um, mm, oh, what is the, <laughs> that Journey song? Just a small town girl living in a lonely world. That one. Oh, wow. There's shots fired on that one. Yeah, man. <laughs> don't stop believing. You don't like that? Don't stop believing. You went after it's, Journey. You went after it's Steve fine. It's fine, but it's not like, it's more popular than I think it should be. That's all I'm saying. Fuck that. Fuck Journey. They all suck. <laughs> Out. I mean, it's catchy, but I'm just kind of like, people love that song. No, nope. I'm like, okay. It's not catchy. It's fucking garbage. So fuck it. So Shots fired from you too. Okay. Yeah, fuck that song. I'm actually okay with Eiffel 65's Blue. She took the midnight train going anywhere though. Yeah, that's not how <laughs> trains work. It's got, it's got a destination. False advertising. I'm just saying, they try to act like they're men of the people. Well, they don't even people know how fucking trains work. On the <laughs> and on that note, let's start the episode. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin, and we are talking about the Netflix documentary series Tiger King, because there's been a lot of hullabaloo on the internet about this fucking documentary series. So we decided we're going to do an episode on it, because, you know, quarantines and shit. So uh, we're going to talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between, and we're going to, as we've been doing, go no spoilers first, give our recommendations, and then go full on spoilers with everything. And so let's start it off with Heather, since she's, uh, she said that Journey sucks, and I appreciate that. Uh, so Heather, what are your non-spoilery <laughs> thoughts about this Tiger King series? <laughs> well, I mean, in all honesty, I was not necessarily looking forward to watching this it wasn't really on my radar and then suddenly there was just like this huge boom of people being like everybody needs to watch this and you know so I was like what is this about you know I had no idea and then um you know obviously learning what it was about I was like okay maybe you know um maybe it'll be fine whatever so I gave it a shot because you know there's time we're quarantined. We can't go anywhere. So why not? <laughs> but it, 
I'll be honest, it was pretty fascinating from maybe the second episode, I would say, first or second episode in, it was already pretty fascinating because it's just this whole world that I know nothing about. You know, I wasn't even that familiar with the story of what happened prior to this documentary. Um, I remember vaguely hearing about it, but not really remembering much about it. So I was just like, this is going to be quite a journey, this whole thing. So um, it was, I definitely was surprised by it. I was surprised by how intrigued I was with what was going on. I mean, there were definitely some issues with it. It wasn't like perfect or anything like that, but it definitely drew me in for sure. Quicker probably than most documentaries do. So I, you know what? I. I found it very interesting. Um, It was good in the sense of like, I really wanted to keep watching it. Every episode that ended, I was like, oh man, I need to see what's about to happen again. You know, so it was, it did its job of for sure keeping you, you know, enthralled and keeping you wanting to see more of what they were going to talk about. Um, Yeah, I think that it's, I mean, there's just so much crazy that goes on in this documentary. It's honestly one of those where you, you really just, you have to see it to believe all the, the crazy things that they even talk about and that happen within the course of just this, you know, one storyline of things and the connections with it. So it is, it's a doozy. <laughs> it's pretty wild. And, um, but I appreciated it. I mean, I just, it's a very fascinating story. It really is. So, um, yeah, I I, for the most part, I really did enjoy it. So yeah, I say if you're, if you're looking for something to watch, I mean, give it a go, you know? Justin, what about you? Uh, yeah. Um, as far as just my positioning on this, um, I'm in a similar place as Heather. Uh, th- this was nothing that I, I saw that on Netflix. Cause now when you go to Netflix, it ranks the top 10, I guess, like things that people are looking at or streaming and everything like that. And I did notice that this was in the the top 10, close to the top. And I haven't looked at it lately. Now this might be at the top as, as, as far as I see so many memes about Carol Baskin and Joe Exotic and stuff. Now it's just like every other thing on my timeline is something about Tiger King. But like, uh, but, but I knew it was popular And so I was intrigued just by the popularity of it. But like Heather said, this was something that that I also knew nothing about prior. And unlike you, I didn't even hear anything. I knew nothing, absolutely nothing, zero about this story. I didn't know who Joe Exotic was. And apparently I've got people on my timeline who who had been to that park that he had for quite some time. Um Uh, This was just one of those celebrities or guys or people that he just completely got by me. I knew nothing about this guy whatsoever going into this. And I must admit, much like what Heather said, this was a very intriguing documentary. Like it was intriguing from beginning to end, learning about this this culture of the this kind of big cat ownership culture that I knew nothing about. Like I've heard stories of people like owning big cats and stuff. I remember Mike Tyson had a tiger at one time and I've heard about celebrities or rich people kind of 
owning these pets that you shouldn't own and big snakes and big cats and stuff like that. But I didn't realize there was just this kind of subculture of people who own all these cats and there's this buying and trading and people open up these parks where they kind of just specialize in owning and having big cats and everything. I didn't realize that there was kind of this extensive type of there were these extensive dealings when it came to big cats. So all of that was kind of a revelation to me, but the cast of characters, if you will, or this being a documentary, the people that we kind of, the character studies that we get to explore and the people that we get to meet on this are all these kind of eccentric layered personalities and it's just intriguing to hear about their stories and it's and you know you would think that this would be more about the 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 tigers and the the ownership of that and the 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 every days of that and things like that and yes those elements are there but to me this was less about even tiger ownership or animal ownership, though that's a very big conversation, very much a part of this. But this is just more about these people and who they are and what they're what they stand for, their sense of honor or dishonor, so to speak, the history of them and what's happened to them and how they treat other people. And it very much is how they point the finger at each other in a way, but ironically you see all these flaws in them, but yet there are these very appealing pieces to these people too. Uh, and so I, it was an, a documentary I couldn't take my eyes off of. It was seven episodes long. And I mean, I just burned through those seven episodes. Like I just couldn't put it down. I think one night I was up till like three or four o'clock in the morning, just watching. Cause I just could not stop. You know, I kind of had to force myself away from it because these characters are intriguing and the drama and what goes on in between them, you just get sucked in and you want to know what happens. You want to hear more. And it's just crazy. It's like, I mean, you would have thought that this was made up. Like if you, when you see the drama involved with these people, what they're going through, all the underground dealings and everything that's involved with this, you you would have thought that somebody wrote this. And it's, and, 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 and in that way, it's almost harrowing. It's almost scary that this wasn't written, that this wasn't made up and that these are, actual people who have lived this life so yeah but but this if anything this is the car wreck you can't look away from this is something that honestly like heather said it has to be seen to be believed and i just honestly feel based on just the reception that it's getting you'll enjoy every minute of this you can't take your eyes off of it i feel like i watched a different documentary than you guys (laughs) because I thought this was just overhyped garbage. Uh, I knew of Joe Exotic from when he was on uh, last week tonight with uh, John Oliver. Uh, I saw that episode. And, you know, that's so I was I was familiar with him. And I just, uh, I mean, it was kind of, you know, captivating when you first hear about him running for president and all that stuff. But then coming back into this and watching the entirety of, you know, the story it tells with that and the story it tells about what's her name, Carol Baskin and, and Doc Antill or whatever the fuck that guy's name is and all these other characters. 
I feel like this documentary did a really shitty job of actually maintaining a captivating narrative. I feel like it skipped over or just briefly touched on or just mentioned some shit that was actually infinitely more captivating than what was going on and then just moved the fuck on. It was so focused on trying to make sure that it it did, you know, a full episode or whatever of this and co- compartmentalizing these episodes that it really kind of blew over things that honestly should have been more important. So much so that there's a big outcry for Joe Exotic and there's kind of a heroization of him and some of these other people and a villainization uh, or vilification of other people that don't necessarily uh, deserve so either way. But it's solely because of the way that this documentary is so biased and so formatted and so framed to inspire one sort of outcome, even though a lot of the facts and other things don't actually line up with it. Uh, it's it's really kind of tough. It's it's the glorification of of horrible, horrible things in a way that is honestly fucking tragic. And the fact that this documentary is getting such play and such such a following to it, to me, is quite saddening, especially in this fucking time that our country and the world is fucking going through. That something like this is getting any sort of positivity, even just generally, you know, acknowledged in its direction, is quite disheartening. Any other thoughts before recommendations and scores? Nope. Nope, I'm good. Oh, you guys sound way more fucking positive and happy than I do. All right, uh, Justin, what's your recommendation and score? All right, do I recommend it? Yeah, I do recommend it. I think that um, if you're somebody, especially if you're somebody who's online, you got to see what the fuss is about. And I don't know if this is anything that can just be properly explained. This is just one of those where you have to watch it and derive your own opinions of it and and talk about with other people how you feel about the characters, what you think happened or who was right and wrong or are any of them right or wrong. You know, to have that conversation, you you really got to see this and see what they were and see what these characters did and what what this um, entire production was about. So I think on the merit of that, given its popularity, and shoot, a a lot of people already have seen it, but uh, I think that it is worth checking out to see what the fuss is about i think it's done well enough to where uh i wouldn't say miss it i think that it's just one of those docs that it's entertaining throughout it has an entertaining flow it tries to keep you interested the whole time so it it never got boring to me or got to where i was like oh man this is just you know uh, three three or four episodes in, I stopped caring, or it was it was never anything like that. It seemed like it did a good job about keeping its audience interested in it. So for those reasons, I can definitely recommend it. Um, it, now is it the the best documentary available on Netflix? No, I wouldn't say that. There are other ones available, like the Gabriel. Fernandez one or the Aaron Hernandez, the football player. There are a lot of like episodic documentaries on Netflix that I do think are better than this one. But at the moment, um, are they as intriguing? Are they as popular? 
not necessarily, but there are better ones. So um, I won't give it the highest recommendation possible, but yeah, um, but, but I do recommend it. So with that in mind, I am going to give it um, 85 uh, Las Vegas showgirls uh, petting baby tigers that were snuck in to um, a hotel building out of 100. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I would say it's pretty similar. I just I do recommend it because I just feel like it's such an enthralling story. And it's just like all of these layers continue and continue to unfold through almost every single episode. And it's just interesting. Like, you know, it's not necessarily organized in the best way. And, um, you know, and Sterling, the point you made, like, I do see that. Like, that is a valid point that you make about, you know, this is the the it being hyped in this time and the the tragedy of what actually goes on it, you know i do totally get that uh, but i do think um overall i just i feel like it was very interesting and it's something like it's a world that i knew nothing about and i feel like probably it's only like scratch the surface of what really all is entailed with that whole world and that whole everything so it was interesting like it was just it was just the word that I keep using is fascinating because it just was like in one turn after another and I'm just like what <laughs> like how is this an actual thing that happens and every every episode is like something different you know it's um it's an, it's intriguing and it's it's not happy endings for everybody it's not it's not like a feel good type of documentary, but it is one of those where you're like, wow, okay, <laughs> this is a little bit mind blowing. Like, didn't know that this was a thing, didn't know that there were people out there that would even think of these things, stuff like that that goes on. But I do, I recommend it. I think it is, um, it's an entertaining watch. Um, I would say I'll give it, oh, <laughs> I'm going to give it, mm, I'll give it 78 cool cats and kittens out of a hundred for me. I'm going to say, I don't recommend it at all. Even if you've watched every single fucking thing on Netflix, besides this, still don't think it's worth a watch. It's fucking terrible. It is just overhyped. It's just not good in the slightest, the amount of bias. And I, I, I don't want to say fake footage, but like in a way, fake footage, because everything is so tightly kept close to make sure that only the narrative they want to tell is what gets through. There's no, I, I, I want to say there's no ambiguity, like honestly, unless that's exactly what they want you to feel during that exact moment. And I mean, as far as documentaries go, it's to me, it's honestly one of the worst things I've ever seen. Like in all seriousness, I would rather watch the Joker again than watch this fucking shit. A, it's less time. Oh boy. And B, it's, actually more honest as sad as that is than this fucking docuseries was and i i'll definitely expound upon that in a little bit because a lot of it does have to do with specific details uh brought up in this but yeah i just i can't recommend it at all for any reason even to listen to this podcast i can't recommend watching it to listen to this full episode i would just much rather say just listen to this episode don't bother fucking giving it any more attention than it's already received. I'm going to give this negative 15,000. Why the fuck is there no hyenas in this out of 15,000? Wow. All 
All right, spoilers. You guys ready for spoilers? Yes. Yes. All right. For me, one of the big problems that this documentary has is it suffers from dark fate syndrome. There are several things in this documentary series that it just lightly touches on that if they had done just a two-hour documentary on that, it would have been infinitely more fascinating and worthwhile if it had done so. Like, they kind of vaguely, well, I guess they don't vaguely bring it up, but they just touch on the weird fact that both Joe Exotic and Doc Antle are cultish sex predators in the strictest definition of that term. And they just kind of bring it up and then brush it the fuck off so quickly to a degree that it's very disturbing. Like, there's a history that they don't even bring up about Joe Exotic about him doing the same things that he does to... I don't, I don't even remember their fucking names. I want to say it's like Jeff and Travis or something like that. John. John Finley. And the other guy is... I'm going to get it eventually. I'm stalling. I'm going to get it. You were, I think you're right. I think it was Travis. Okay. So it's John Finley and Travis. Uh, and like they kind of just loosely mentioned that he more or less finds them when they're like 17, 18, 19. Just plies them full of drugs and alcohol and expensive lavish gifts and more or less just tell them hey come live on this thing you know in this zoo and you don't really have a job and you can just kind of live here and i'll give you shit and all drugs and alcohol and everything you want and it, it talks about two of them and then it mentions a third with dylan who comes in after the other two well one dies and the other one leaves him which follows the same fucking predatory pattern but then there's like two or three other husbands slash boyfriends or other things that he had done the same thing to. One of them is spending a life sentence in prison for murder. That they just don't really, they just blow over. They they don't give a fuck about that. They don't give a fuck that they're actually kind of lightly glossing over the fact that this guy is a sexual predator. And so is Doc Antle. I mean, he sits there and he gets these young girls to come fucking live on his, you know, fucking preserve or whatever the fuck he wants to call it. And, you know, just kind of dictates their entire lives after that. You know, they have this one girl that quote-unquote escaped, but, like, they just kind of vaguely touch on her experiences. And if that's the amount of footage they're showing on it, you know that there's at least double of what they put in there. I mean, I mean, this whole thing goes so far that one of these guys, regardless of how you want to frame it, commits suicide, like, in the middle of the fucking zoo. And that behavior is never really explored. They just kind of mention it. And then they just moved the fuck on. And to me, that's an infinitely more interesting documentary than getting a 45-minute episode that lightly touches on it and then 15 minutes of another one. I mean, these extremes go so far that you come to find out that two of the men are straight, but they just like the fact that they were getting gifts and drugs and alcohol and not really having to do things for them. They were just kind of given shit. They were just kind of able to leave these like exuberant lifestyles from a young age. And that's just kind of why they stuck around. And like I said, they just kind of blow the fuck over it. And that's really disturbing to me. I mean, they also go so far with no actual evidence to bring up the fact that quote unquote, Carol Bastian killed her husband and fed him to a tiger or put him under a septic tank because Joe exotic, as much as he loves bringing up both can't actually figure out which theory he wants to use. It'll just kind of throw both of them out there. But it does so much so that regardless of whether or not there's any truth or anything behind it, they just kind of 
allow that to be a common thread. So much so that then they frame the scenes with her during those parts of the episodes and stuff like that to make sure that they make her seem as guilty as possible, regardless of whether or not that that's what the actual facts state. I mean, for everything that she says, there's always somebody to counter it. There's always some random person to counter that. And that might be true in real life. Like, for all I she could have. I don't know. I don't know all the facts of the case. But no matter what, this documentary wants to make sure that you think that that's what happens. Or that's, I'm sorry, that that is what happened. Regardless of whether or not it is the case or not. They go out of their way to make sure that that is a known thing. So much so that I can't scroll through my fucking Facebook feed without seeing 97,000 fucking little stupid ass memes about how Carol Baskin did it. That Joe Exotic should be free. That Joe Exotic did nothing wrong. That other people did stuff wrong. That he was framed. That these other people are bad, but he is good. With no actual basis behind it. I mean, so much so that with this documentary, that if you just watch this documentary, you think that Joe Exotic is the one that actually sings these weird fucking country songs. He doesn't. It's this actual, it's these two other guys that do the, that sing and, and do the music for those songs that he just makes music videos out of, claiming they're his. If you watch this documentary, you think he doesn't. Nope. No, that's true. Do you know what was, do you, do you know what all the people there knew at the time? That he wasn't doing it. This documentary knew that he wasn't doing that, that he wasn't the one singing these songs, that he wasn't the one writing the music. You're not going to know it if you watch the documentary. And when it's something that small and that trivial that this documentary can't give a fuck about actually doing right, and you want to sit there and tell me that, oh, but these other things they were right about. They care so little about the fucking facts or about actual information or actually documenting what's going on because they want to just document some of it and just not give a fuck about the rest. It's really fucking sad that that's the, 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 the way that this documentary wants to fucking portray itself and that people are actually liking it. That's the other sad thing about it is that this documentary is getting such a fucking cult hyped up status behind it that it's going to mean eventually that the actual facts and the actual truth won't fucking matter about this shit. I mean, if I'm Carol Baskin now, after this shit came out, I'd be insanely fucking worried about what people are going to say and do to her and her family. Because for whatever reason, in the internet age, people can't, you know, not do death threats and stupid bullshit like that. And all this bullshit, all because of just some shit some guy says. That for whatever reason, they wanted to frame as, well, this guy's, you know, eccentric and kooky and all this other stuff. They made sure they did their damnedest. To make sure that while this guy might be eccentric and this might be this guy might be full of shit on all these other things, they do their damnedest to make sure that he looks like he's right about a lot of that stuff, especially when it comes to her, in a way that is downright fucking appalling. I mean, there's just so many issues I have with this shit. I mean, when you have uh, the producer of his, of a reality show and a, a lot of his stuff, uh, Rick uh, Kirkham, you know, they go so far to then, you know, more or less frame him for destroying a bunch of footage because he was quote-unquote paid off, you know, by Carol Baskin with no actual evidence of that other than they say, oh, this one camera shot shows that it looks like him. Dude, that that camera shot and that figure quote-unquote looking like, looking like him is one of the worst examples of surveillance footage showing the existence of something that I've ever seen. I mean, you have pictures of fucking dust balls reflecting fucking light in the air that look more like ghosts than that fucking picture looked like him. 
the NES had better fucking graphics and was less pixelated than that fucking picture was. And somehow they used that as enough truth to where there is a legitimate amount of people that think that that was him, regardless of the facts. For all I know, it could have been. Sure, it could have been. The motive behind it makes infinitely less sense. But that's just one of the things they want to posit. You know, because what do they allow Joe Exotic to do in this? And that this documentary does lots of times. Something tragic, quote unquote, happens to Joe Exotic. He tries to take advantage of it. And they help frame it to make sure that that's okay. I mean, after the whole footage thing is burned down and the alligators are burned and all this other stuff, it shows him filming like a little vignette or almost something along the lines of a wrestling promo about, you know, the destruction of his property and all this other stuff and the death of his alligators. And then it shows him go over this one section like three or four times to make sure that he gets what a towering inferno of flames. That's a really awesome alliteration, a towering inferno of flames because an inferno does not imply fire whatsoever. You got to make sure you get the flames in there, but it shows him kind of doing that over and over again. But once again, it's clearly edited to where they're just showing that one part over and over again, instead of showing it in more context, because why would you sit there and try to get the perfect take of something like that? Because you're trying to elicit a certain response. So you know that there's more around there about getting that response. But it's obvious they cut to make sure that you just see him kind of cutting this promo type of thing. Honestly, all that shit did was make me think that, yeah, that fucker did it. And they throw that possibility out there because they want to make sure that they throw the possibilities out there because they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, we think that Joe did it. And then... Two seconds later, they're just on to something else. They want to make sure that these other things are mentioned, but they give no actual credence or no sense of, of, of urgency or any importance to any of those things like they do the ones that shape the narrative they want. And honestly, I'm tired of fucking talking about this for, the, for right now. So I'm going to kick this over to one of you guys. I don't give a fuck which one. One of y'all choose and say some shit because I'm fucking tired of talking about it. Go ahead, Jason. Okay, so some thoughts that I have on this are that um, I definitely see what uh, you're talking about, Sterling, with some of your qualms and concerns, because I'm seeing a lot of that over social media, too. And some of the receptions I actually had planned on talking about, because they are concerning, um, especially when you look at this documentary, because a lot of the impressions that people got of like Joe Exotic and Carol Bastian and people like that uh, weren't a lot of the same impressions that I got. And I do totally get the sentiment because on my timeline, I'm seeing similar things. Like he's sort of looked at as kind of like this charismatic, enigmatic type of person. And all I see about Carol Baskin is she did it. She killed her husband. She killed her husband. And there's almost like this demonization of her. But then Joe is kind of like, all I'm seeing is kind of little fun loving memes about him. And I thought that that was so weird because I didn't get that impression from this at all. Like when I walked away from the documentary, I walked away going, man, there wasn't a good guy in this thing. All of them are 
batshit. All of them are crazy. All of them have horrible things about them, and all of them are horrible people. You know, I kind of felt like that's that was the impression that I got. I didn't really feel like that. I didn't walk away feeling like this ab- absolved anyone. I think it just kind of I felt like it exposed everyone. And when I walked away, I didn't like look at Joe as this hero per se. I I definitely felt like he was a protagonist. I do feel like if there was a main character, he definitely was the main character. He's the vehicle upon which this thing goes. And yes, I do admit that he did have a lot of charismatic scenes, scenes that made me laugh. The whole presidential campaign I thought was just freaking hilarious. And and it, it was just so sad, but it was funny because this you see this delusional person who you just know has no chance doing all of these things. And, you know, all of this was new to me. So the fact that you kind of knew already, kind of knew a little bit of the story and everything like that, um, maybe the fact that it was new and everything that I was seeing, I was just like, wow, this person is actually doing these things. But yeah, when it got to the part about him uh, getting these young guys and kind of manipulating, grooming them with the drug and everything and then being with them and stuff yeah man i've definitely found that disgusting and even when it was uh doing the same thing with uh vagabond vagabond whatever his uh name was um the doc um he and it talked about him and the 15 year old girls and him recruiting a man when you saw uh one of the girls that had escaped and her telling her story about what she had went through and everything like that i mean I mean, I get the argument of you saying it wasn't enough, but to me, it was enough for me to go, damn, man, that that guy's a bastard, man. What a terrible person. I didn't really think, oh, he's still this cool Lord guy. I kind of walked away going, man, what a terrible person after I listened to her story and everything like that. And, and that's kind of the conclusion I drew about everyone is, man, everybody's got these dark things about them. Everybody's got these terrible things about them. But I get what you're saying because maybe I just didn't interpret this the same because but when I look online, it does sort of feel like um, that Joe was held in this big high regard and he's kind of held as this sort of hero of it. And Carol Baskin is kind of like this villain. And I do get that. I do get where you're coming from with that. And the way that the, that the, the, the documentary films things and shapes things. I do get that. And, and, and with Carol Baskin, I definitely have my suspicions. Do I think that she's completely guilty? Am I just completely sold on, Oh, she killed their husband. Not completely, but the way that it's shot and the, and, and even some of her testimony about it and just different things that family members were saying, I do have my doubts. I do have my suspicions, but at the same time, I I do feel that it's also kind of indicative of who we are as a society. And that's why this thing is fascinating because there are just a lot of crazy conversations to have, but I've always felt like, especially just in America society, that there's always just been this fascination with kind of demonizing women 
or this idea of like a woman that can ruin a man. I, I just think that that is nothing new to our society. So to me, it's kind of no surprise that you've kind of got this general public kind of siding like that. I mean, if you think about it, it's ri- it's all over our history. I mean, it's biblical when you think about Eve or the Bathsheba, the one that tempted David or the one that cut Samson's hair, you know, or even like the dark ages where we were accusing women of being witches and burning them at the stake or, you know, I mean, we've just always, even in the movies and stuff, fatal attraction and all this stuff, I mean, we have always, kind of had this fascination with this woman that can ruin you or even just kind of our, our even our our ideas about divorce and everything right like oh if I divorce her she's gonna take half of my fortune like we hear these things all the time right we we see these behaviors and these ideas exhibited all the time and it's just kind of become commonplace and I think that when you get to uh, a documentary like this where clearly they showed Joe in a bad light a lot of times and I think there was enough there for me to derive to the point that okay this is not a good person I think there was enough there because I sure came to that conclusion but I do think that um, th- that people looking at that documentary and everything and how she had this rich husband and how he's, you know, Carol had this rich husband, how he wound up dead and everything like that. And then everybody's like, oh, did she do it? I, I can understand why a lot of people are going the route of, oh, she did it and she's this demon. And there isn't enough of people talking about the victim that she was, the abusive relationship she was in and what happened to her and the, some of the abuse that she went through. It's just weird that we have kind of demonized her, but that, but the rest of that story is kind of not being talked about. So with some of the qualms you have, as far as that Sterling, I totally understand them, but I think it does allow for that conversation for us to talk about, well, why are we seeing him this way? Is it all just the fault of the narrative or is it saying something kind of about our society, man? And the way we look at people and the way we kind of the the way we look at women, the way we look at men and these eccentric personalities and people like that, you know, this you got this gun toting guy talking about how he's uh, about how he hates this woman and he's going to be president and he says what he means and stuff like that. You know, does a lot of that sound familiar to you? Like, I mean, I just feel like. There are definitely a lot of uh, this kind of documentary and the reception allow for some very good conversations about where we've come in society and what we're allowing. And and then on top of that, it's not just only that, but I, I mean, I just think that the documentary does its job of being entertaining and intriguing. There were just so many parts where I was just like, my my I was just my mouth just open like what wh- how are people doing this or man these people are doing this and and like you said there are so many other 
things that happen in this that are glossed over that, yes, I, I agree. I would love to see a documentary about those things. Like you said, those two guys who were, weren't even gay, you know, we find out later they were with Joe in kind of this uh, three this three-man relationship, and then it comes out later, oh, well, we're not even really gay. We just kind of did it because of the what we could get out of it and, and what we could get out of it. And just this fascination with, like you said, the privileged things they were getting and what they were willing to do to people and to others and be in this relationship that wasn't even really them, what they were willing to do to kind of have those privileges. And I think that's kind of the real message of this thing, because that's kind of what all of our characters were doing. Everybody was kind of taking advantage of these animals or doing, you know, taking advantage of whether it was taking advantage of animals, whether it was selling them, whether it was kind of having, creating this company where it's composed of nothing but volunteers and everybody, you're not paying anybody, but they're doing all this work or whether it was a guy having these women calling himself the Lord and all of this stuff and they do all of this labor so that he can kind of have these tigers and be revered and have all these privileges that that's really what I saw in this was these people and their infatuation with having all of these things having all of these privileges having all of these people look up to them and controlling all of these people the lengths that they were willing to go to the people they were willing to exploit the people they were willing to manipulate just to have this status and I think it kind of showed that regardless of what side you're they're on of it all of them are exploiting people all of them are exploiting these animals. And what was lost was kind of that too, the, the animal exploitation and stuff like that. And just how humans on both sides of it kind of exploit each other and exploit other people. And I think that that was another big thing about the documentary that I found uh, fascinating. So I think that that's one of the things about it. And that's why critically it's so appealing. And that's why to people it's so appealing because it elicits a lot of conversations about how we perceive each other, uh, the lengths that people will go to, to have those advantages and to have this sort of status and, uh, what it, and then also just how we look at people, how we look at people like Joe and how we should look at people like that, how we demonize people as uh, like Carol Baskin. And should we do that? So I think that that's another thing fascinating about this documentary is those very conversations that it elicits. I get what you're saying with all that, but then just as an experiment, I went on Facebook to see how long it would take me to find a meme villainizing Carol Baskin and more or less glorifying Joe Exotic in the other way. And the second post down when I opened the app, and it's one of those memes where it's like, no one, still no one, not one soul. And then it's me, that bitch Carol Baskin. And I get what you're saying about how it allows for these conversations and all this other stuff. I don't feel like the documentary really cared about that or not, though. I don't think the documentary cared about what conversations it started about 
you know, our culture's victimization, or not victimization, but vilifica- uh, vilification of women. I don't think this documentary, documentary gives one fuck about that. I think it cares about the vilification of Carol Baskin, and that's it. I mean, I get what you're saying, that it doesn't portray, always portray Joe in the best of lights. But at the same time, I feel like it goes out of its way to, you know, anytime it shows him in a bad light one way, to show him in a good light in another. I mean, there are now GoFundMe's out there to help Joe mount a legal defense because he was wrongly convicted, quote unquote. Wow, that's crazy, man. Yeah. (laughs) I I just can't believe that. And that's what's so, and that's why I'm saying like, that's just so weird to me because I didn't come out with this interpretation that he was this hero, but I can understand where you're coming from and what you're talking about. And no, I I don't think that the documentary, whether the doc, I don't know if the documentary documentary purposely allows to uh, uh, allows for those conversations. But I think, inadvertently it did and i mean even the filmmaker at the beginning of this was like man i don't care about joe i don't care about any of this all i care about is getting good television and if i get some good television out of it that's all i care about hell that filmmaker guy even said that so even he was exploiting and that's what i mean Uh, this is very much about exploitation to me not saying that the that the documentary itself expertly crafts this message and this is what it's trying to say i just think that's what it was it was just a bunch of people exploiting each people and and other people and trying to take advantage of other people and manipulating people that's all i really saw all over it like i said even that filmmaker was like man i don't care about this i don't care what he's talking about i just want some good television I just want some good TV. So it's not even a surprise to me that it was framed like this, just based on what that filmmaker said. He straight up just said, I don't care about these people. I'm just trying to get something that's going to look good and be good on. I'm just trying to get some good TV. And he seems like a magnet for good TV. That guy even said that. I'm exploiting this guy just like right off the bat, you know? No, I, I, I get what you're saying with that, but I would care if that was the guy that made the documentary, but he wasn't. He was just the guy trying to film the reality TV show about it. So I, I totally agree with you that this documentary, more than anything, is about the exploitation of everybody by everybody especially in this scenario. I just think the documentary itself accidentally did that. Just like it accidentally allowed for the conversations like you were talking about of the vil- you know, the vilification of women or the, you know, all these other things. I think it accidentally did that. And I can't give this documentary credit for shit it accidentally did, you know. I I get that. I get yeah, that. And because I totally agree with you. If this was legitimately framed around showing the depths of the exploitation of the animals, of the people, of the people by the people, you know, all those different situations, even that, that producer of, you know, exploiting Joe and then Joe exploiting that, that guy that came in to give him money to, you know, the guy that looks like a monster energy drink mascot, like that guy, you know, like how Joe exploited (laughs) him, but then that guy exploited (laughs) Joe, you know? Yeah. If it actually framed itself around that, I would 100% agree with you. 
And this would actually be one of the more interesting documentaries out there if that's how it was framed. I just don't feel like that's actually how it was framed. I think that that was just an actual byproduct about it that people are blowing past what Joe did when he exploited people. People are giving credit that Joe was exploited by that investor and by that producer and by those, like, they, they go so far as to say that, like, Joe was exploited by those young men that he was giving drugs and alcohol to and things like that. Like, as much as Joe does terrible shit, I mean, Joe shoots his gun off several times at a bunch of tigers, not, like, shooting directly at them, but to, like, get them away and, like, beats the fuck out of one and legitimately threatens one numerous times, even though he talks about how he would never do that because one of them, like, grabbed a hold of shoe. Now, don't get me wrong. I get why he's upset. A fucking tiger just bit onto his foot and dragged him. I would be upset too, because it's a fucking tiger. But I'm also not going around saying, I would never hurt a tiger. I would never do this. I would never do that. Like, so they show that scene where he kind of goes off the hinges with that shit. And then right after that, they start talking about how, you know, his crazy ass theory that somebody did that to try to get him killed. And then they start giving that credence instead of actually focusing on the fact that obviously the things he was saying about what he would or wouldn't do with these animals was bullshit. Like, I, I, I agree that it doesn't always show Joe in the best light. I just think they go out of their way to redeem aspects of him or to redeem his story or to just put him in a better light after every time he does something fucked up. And that's just utterly disturbing because I don't feel like at any point in this did he actually deserve redeeming light in any way, shape, or form? I still don't. I mean, as much as everybody wants to like decry foul that he was framed and by that one guy and that random fucking businessman or like store owner or whatever that shows up randomly at the end. Like, how does a guy show up in the last like little bit of this whole documentary series and become one of the like the the evil villains of this? Like, this guy comes in to this story, like he's like it's the twist ending where you know this one like like it's a James Bond movie and then all of a sudden this twist ending happens and it's like oh no this guy is actually the real bad guy that's how they fucking frame that guy in this documentary just to make sure that they give credence to the fact that Joe might have been framed like i think this documentary does a spectacular job of showing so little and so much at the same time like it makes sure that it shows Great footage of people, quote-unquote, conspiring against Joe, but then just enough fo footage to where Joe might have said, like, might have paid somebody to go murder this woman, but nothing clear. But then they've got clear evidence of other people talking about it and all this other stuff. I'm like, why, do the, why does the main subject all of a sudden get less screen time than these ancillary characters when it's the, quote-unquote, frame job of the main character? Like, to me, it feels like there is literally like a five-minute thing of him talking to that guy on the phone and being like, yeah, dude, I'll give you 10 grand to kill that bitch. I feel like that's actually filmed based on what they did have. And then just that didn't fit the narrative, so they cut it. Now, do I have any evidence of that? No. That's just what this documentary makes me feel like it did when it frames stuff like that. But, I mean, I get what you're saying, Justin, with like a lot of that stuff, though, that like I do think that that is a fascinating conversation to have about our society uh, when it comes to exploitation and when it comes to, you know, that tried and true narrative that's everywhere, especially historically, of women being the downfall of men and stuff like that. 
I do agree. That's an incredibly fascinating conversation. And kudos, I guess, to this movie for making, you know, you feel like that that might bring that conversation up. I just think that that just means that, you know, you're a good person, Justin, and you weren't swayed by the bullshit. I guess not, man. (laughs) I guess not, man, because I just had such a, yeah, I get, I get, I just, I just had a, such a different outlook on this. Like I didn't feel like you said, man, I didn't feel like Joe was this hero and Carol Baskin was just definitely like, Oh yeah, she killed her husband. I mean, yes, maybe there were a lot of things there. And I was like, man, dude, it's, uh, it's not looking good for her. I definitely felt like that, but I didn't feel like anybody else was necessarily better than her or anything. I thought they all kind of were shitty people, you know, but, but when I saw people leaning so into the fact that she was this terrible person, oh, she killed her husband, this, that, and the other, it just got me thinking about that man. And I just think some of that shit is, it's our society, man. We're going to lean towards that because we always have, you know, but, but I totally get what you're saying. Um, that that's got to be the fault of the documentary. If so many people saw this and I mean, millions and millions have seen this and it's all just acceptable to see Joe as this hero. And there's a GoFundMe to help him and all of this stuff. And it just seems like ever, like you said, every other meme is Carol Baskin is evil and Carol Baskin is bad. And, uh, I mean, I, I just think that, uh, it, it's just so indicative of what we are here. But like you said, the documentary is at fault for that too, for maybe it should, maybe that's a flaw of it. It should have raised more of those questions rather than just presenting what it did, you know? I mean, I think it's funny. I think you and me saw the same issues in this documentary where they fascinated you. They just infuriated me. Yes, that's essentially that is what happened. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Then Facebook just saw it and went, oh my God, Joe Exotic's my spirit animal like I am with uh, Freddie uh, Mermaid or Frankie Mermaid. Um, let's, let's, let's let Heather talk now. We've talked about too much. Heather, you talk now. Say some words. <laughs> um, well, a couple of things. Like, So the entertaining aspect of this documentary, a lot of that for me was... Joe Exotic had zero chill about anything. And it was so ridiculous and over the top sometimes that it was just funny. Like he just went out of his way to make sure that he did the most every time when it came to like trying to prove that, you know, Carol's bad and he's good. And like making ridiculous songs and all of that and just like, really just sticking to his guns with whatever it was that he said. He had zero chill in anything that he did. Even when he was like running for, what was it, governor he was running for? Whatever it was. Like, Well, he, he ran just, for president he, and governor. Oh, yes, right. And he just, zero chill with that too. He just like, he did the most in everything that he did. And it was just amusing for me. And that was the entertaining thing about it, aside from the fact that, all of these crazy other types of dramas unfolded in the midst of what was going on. So that was the entertaining aspect of it. But I do want to say I am like, I'm really glad that you brought your perspective in Sterling because you're completely right. Like I never 
Like, none of me thought, like, oh, Joe Exotic is innocent. He should be freed. Like, I was like, no, he definitely, you know, should be in jail, (laughs) you know. And, I mean, and you're right because the way that they shoot this documentary, it makes Carol look bad. It makes her look like a murderer. It makes her look like all these things. And it does frame it. You're absolutely right. It does frame it around that now that you, you bring that to light. I'm like, actually, yeah, because in my mind, I'm like, I I think I had seen a couple of either like posts or memes or something about it before I watched it. And I was like, I don't know what that means. But then it was like already in my head before I watched it. And when I was, when I figured out like, oh, that's Carol. Okay. That's who they're talking about. So maybe it was already in my head to kind of like think maybe she was sketchy before I even saw it. But either way, I mean, even like the interviews that they have with her when, you know, they're asking her questions about her husband that went missing and all of these things. I will say she seemed a little shady. She seemed a little like awkward and a little bit like weird in her responses to those things, like just doing the awkward laugh that she would do anytime someone would even suggest it. Like, but then when you would talk about the, you know, the, the, things that Joe was doing to kind of ruin her. She had this very serious tone and demeanor about her for most of it. So I just feel like she acted different with the two, but also because of how it's framed, it could just be, she's, you know, she seems like at times she could probably be a socially awkward person. So maybe she just felt awkward. And when she's talking about something that was being done to her, she's going to be a lot more firm and a lot more serious about that but when she's coming when they're coming at it from a perspective of someone's accusing me of this maybe she just doesn't know how to handle that and talk about that the right way so she gets awkward with it maybe it was that I don't know but yeah I mean it I will say they do frame it to make it look like she is completely guilty and they have the way that they've done it back up where you like where you're like, oh yeah, she for sure did it, you know, because that's this that is a story they wanted to tell, and um, you know, Joe is not a good dude, <laughs> like at all, and they do want to redeem him. They they want to make you feel, I guess, sorry for him. They want to make you feel like, you know what, he's done some things, but you know, you should feel bad for him because of these other things, and that's kind of a lot of what I got throughout the whole thing. Um, but he. I mean, especially I, I thought the same thing when it came to the men that he married and that he brought in and all these things where I'm like, they're super young and they're also impressionable. And so, you know, like if they're still, I mean, how old were they when he brought them in? Like they just, he, it's almost like that cult leader mindset of like, you know, he he has a way to charm them and to make them think what he wants them to think because that's all they know because they're still young and that's who they're around all the time is him. So he's going to have that impression on them. Very impressionable young men. And so it's and that is a way more fascinating, interesting story or another interesting documentary that could be made. Um, but yeah, even so, regardless, that's. It is predatory. You're absolutely right. And um, the the part that you guys mentioned about demonizing women and vilifying them and all of these things is that I could see that part too, because I mean, especially when it came to the the relationships that you see throughout this whole thing. And, you know, people, some people, they're polyamorous and people, you know, whatever. Um, but 
regardless of what the situation was, left and right, I feel like they're disrespecting the women that are in their lives. Like the doctor guy, whatever his name was. I mean, he just, I mean, and you also don't really hear much from those women either. They're just kind of there, you know, and they're just like, yeah, we are with him and this is what we do. But you don't really hear their side of it other than the one who escaped. But um, yeah, it's just interesting because I don't know, like when you hear the story of the girl who did get out of that and how it just seemed like he he wanted to make her into what he wanted her to be, which is probably the exact same thing that happened with the other three women that he's with. And then the guy, the, you know, extra villain that came in at the end or whatever, the one that I guess is the current owner of the zoo, I think, if I remember right. Jeff Lowe, um, right? I think his name was Jeff Lowe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then even him with his wife who's pregnant and like just straight up being like, oh yeah, and we're going to get a nanny who's really attractive and all these things. And like, just really no regard for or respect for these women that they apparently have relationships with. And that did bother me because I'm like, especially at the end there when they're showing, you know, that the guy has the pregnant wife. And that really bothered me because it was just like, you could even see something on her face where she was just like, oh, yeah, that's funny when he was talking about the nanny. But he's straight up serious. He's like, no, we're going to do that. Like, I'm going to pick her and she's going to look like this. And that's just really upsetting, you know? And like, I don't know, it's just a weird a weird thing that they all had where it was just, there was just no respect for it and, um, or for the relationships, I guess. But also, I mean, there's that point and, um, I'm not remembering the name of the worker who got the arm torn off, (laughs) but I mean, she made like a point towards the end there about like what it comes down to is at the end, you know, like nobody was actually looking out for these animals at all. Like, that is not what it became. Like it apparently was supposed to have started that way where they were, it was all about the animals and wanting to do right by them and whatever it was. But then it just became about them. Everybody in this show was out for themselves and nobody in the end ended up caring about the initial thing that they were supposed to be caring about that started the whole thing. And so it just makes you think, was that even really your end game? You know, so yeah, the exploitation is really a huge part of what this is. And that's why I liked the the workers really seemed like the most honest people about it because, you know, she's saying like nobody cared at the end about it. And then the guy who um, he was like the really tall guy with the long hair and the glasses, like really just didn't care about much of anything. Well, okay. <laughs> her guy. name her name was Kelsey and the guy you're talking about was named Eric. Yes. Yeah. And I thought he was really funny, but also, I mean, he genuinely seemed like he might've been the only one who was concerned about these animals at the end there, you know, even him saying like, you know, he, like Joe stopped caring for these animals and doing what he was supposed to be doing. And he was like, I'm glad that I was there at that time because nobody else was taking care of them. And then, you know, when he wasn't working there anymore and you just see how much he missed working with these animals and you just feel like there's very few people who cared about that part of it um, at the end of it. But then when you see it, you it's really the workers that cared more than the owners and all these major players, if you will. So I thought that was interesting and I thought that that was a good point that she made when she was like, Nobody was looking out for these animals in the end. Nobody cared what actually happened to them at the end. And that's true. You know, it just became about the story. 
And it's really sad, but that's kind of just what happened. Like they just got lost in this game and they forgot what they were actually supposed to be, you know, fighting about, or they forgot what they were supposed to be caring about in the fight, I guess. So yeah, there was definitely a lot of things with it. And also just the way that the stories were told, I don't think it was organized the best. I think it just kind of jumped back and forth a lot in certain things when it could have just told the story straight through in like one episode. But that's like a small thing compared to all these other things. But I'm just really glad that we're able to have this conversation about it because like that perspective that you gave, I'm like, I wasn't even thinking about that. Like it's all true and it's all there. And it was all in my head because I was like, oh my gosh, like in a funny way because of how they frame it where they make you feel like, oh, this is crazy stuff, but it's also funny, but it's also like outrageous at the same time. And that's what you think about through the whole thing is oh my gosh, this guy has all these wives. That's crazy how he is with them. And But you're like, no, actually it's sad. You know, <laughs> like it becomes more sad than it is just crazy. You know, like you're amused by the outrageousness or the audacity of some of the things that happen. But really you should be like, this is not okay. This really isn't. And so I'm actually really glad you brought that perspective because I wasn't even looking at it in that light, but yeah, there's a lot of those deep issues that they gloss over or they try to joke over or just brush off because they want to tell the story that they want to tell. And that probably now that I'm thinking about it is like the biggest issue with this documentary, but, um, but it is still regardless for me, it was still captivating because this is just a world of people that I'm just like, I don't know this life. I've, like, I just don't even know how these people are thinking, like what's going through their heads or anything like that. And it was just really intriguing to to just see, like, what are they thinking? What is their lifestyle? Like, what is their lives on a daily basis? And what brought them to be the people that they're being right now? It was just really interesting and entertaining in the sense of, I guess, learning about these characters and what their motives are. And that was entertaining in itself. And yeah, and like I said, just the outlandish and just Joe Exotic doing the most all the time was just funny and amusing sometimes. But also he really did kind of like, well, he really, he ruined Carol's life. I mean, he wanted to be petty and he wanted to be whatever he wanted to be. And he's like making up these songs where it's like, if that song about her hadn't been put out, would these people have that thought in their mind that she killed her husband and fed him to tigers? Like, you know what I mean? So he really was like, even if he felt slighted or he felt like he was wronged or whatever it was he felt, he went above and beyond to just make sure that he ruined her life. So, and that wasn't okay. Regardless of, you know, even if Carol say she did murder her husband or whatever happened, but it's like, she, I don't know. It, it's kind of like people are going to now think what they want to think based on this documentary, because you're right. Like I, what I know about the story is from the documentary. I don't know anything outside of it. I haven't researched anything, but it's good that there are people that are looking at the other sides of it because there is going to be that bias when you're telling stories like this. So yeah, I think it's really good that you brought up those things and that we're able to talk about the deeper issues of it because there's a lot to unpack in what happens in this documentary series. Yeah, I mean, I get with what you're saying with some of that, especially when you're you're you're, you're talking about the animals, like nobody giving a fuck about them except for like the workers. 
And I feel like that's because the workers were the ones that were was dealing with all of them all the time. You know, yeah. like they were the ones feeding them on a constant basis, like all of them. They, you know, they weren't going and just feeding one or paying attention one. They were going around and feeding them all and stuff like that. And like, and I guess this is another aspect of this documentary that really pissed me off was they do this whole documentary. And yeah, he, he let the conditions and the quality of the life and all this other shit go fucking awful for the animals just so he could be a petty little asshole with shit. But what's one of the last things they show when he's talking about how he gave away his two chimps and they went to this preserve in Florida and Mm. they get to hug each other for the first time and how, you know, he's like, did I deprive him of that for 10 years? And he's like, yeah, he's like, did I mean to like, did I mean for it to be like that? And he's like, no. And all this other stuff. And he's getting choked up and teary eyed. And that's one of the last things you see. After all this horrible bullshit that this fucking man did, that's one of the last things you see is him realizing that maybe, you know, in his zeal of things that, you know, and what he thought was best might not have been what's best for the animals and stuff like that. And that's such fucking chicken shit. Like, they put that at the end, once again, like I said, to put this guy in a redeeming light that he doesn't deserve. Like, for all we know, he said that, like, five years before all this other horrible shit he did. You know what I mean? Like, right. But yeah. what is it? It's the, one of the last things you see in this docuseries. One of the very last scenes. And it's there just to erase ill feel any ill feelings you might have started feeling towards a guy. And that's such fucking horse shit. Especially when everyone was talking about how little he was caring about the animals at that point. And about how there was evidence that he was fucking killing them. Yeah. And all this other shit. Like, yeah, and then they do that sentimental thing with his current husband where he's reading that letter to him and they're like making you feel like, oh, like, you know, whatever, <laughs> like that sentimental thing towards him. And and it's like they, they just want to make sure that, you know, like, oh, he's still in a loving marriage and all these things. And like and then, yeah, and then they show that scene at the end there, which I almost forgot about. But you're right. So, yeah, it is interesting how they're trying to, like, frame this for everybody. Yeah, and a comment just real quick about what you were talking about, how disjointed some of it was. That was one of the issues I had with it, where each episode had a theme, like the topic they were going to talk about for that episode, whether it was like one of the episodes where it was all about whether Carol Baskin killed her husband. And then one of them was kind of about Doc and his many wives, and then a little bit of Joe's stuff, like for comparison's sake. And then this episode was about getting a new investor. And this episode was about the footage being burned and the ramifications of that. And then like one episode's about the lawsuit instead of actually just tearing a telling a cohesive story or anything like that. Like they had each one framed. So, and I think that that's why I felt like so much was glossed over because pretty much once that episode was done, they wouldn't go back to it. They'd be like, Oh, that episode's done. Do 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 do. We're done now. Right. Just move the fuck on. And I'm like, why are you giving yourself 45 minutes episodes? Like, were they planning on this to be on a channel with fucking commercials? Like, I don't know what they were thinking. Like, I don't know if Netflix paid for it before it was made or if they made it and then edited it, then Netflix bought it. But even then, if you're doing like 40-something minute episodes, are they thinking it's going to go on a network with commercials? Like, with the imagery and the fucking language and the, the subject matter... What fucking channel with commercials is going to air this shit? I mean, there'd be entire like, I mean, that's like putting me on cable. You can't say fuck as much as I do or that fucking show does and expect, you know, it to be okay if it's bleeped out or censored. 
Like, it would just be unintelligible bullshit if it's just nothing but beeps or fucking gaps nonstop. So I had issues with that on a technical level that they did weird 45-minute episodes for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what the issue is with that. Like, I wonder if they, if it was planned to be on TV or anything like that, or was it just always planned for Netflix? I guess that is a, a good question. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess I'd be interested to know that too. Yeah. See, like, that's how much this fucking docuseries infuriated me is I'm nitpicking the minute length of the episodes <laughs> because that bothered me too. Like, I would have, honestly, I would have rather preferred if they did like a two-hour documentary about Joe Exotic. And then if that got popular, do a two-hour documentary about Carol Baskin and her relationship or whatever you want to call it with Joe Exotic. And then a two-hour documentary about Doc Ansel. You know what I mean? Like, I would have rather longer stories with more focus that went into more depth and then made a series out of that. Like, I want something on a Ken Burns level on this shit. Like, that's what I want. (laughs) And I've never wanted to Ken Burns anything in my life. (laughs) But you guys have any other thoughts about all this shit? (laughs) No, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good too. I'm not. Fuck the Tiger King. (laughs) I said it. Anyway. See, now I'm all grumpy going into the outro. I never like going into the outro when I'm grumpy. It's like, you know, don't go to to sleep when you're mad or whatever. Like, going into the (laughs) outro when I'm mad, I'm just like... I grumpingly and like begrudgingly get through the outro instead of like, you know, ending high energy or any of that shit. Oh man. Yeah. Fuck the tiger King. And thank you guys for listening to the cinema slayers podcast. Check us out at www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook at cinema slayers podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at cinema underscores slayers. We are, we have extended the uh, contest stuff for, you know, the tattoo idea for a voodoo shark. So send this, you know, those guys message us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or email it to cinemaslayerspod at gmail.com. Uh, we did extend that because with all the quarantines, I wouldn't be able to get a tattoo anyway. So might as well give people more time and, you know, allow people to have fun with it. And maybe you really hate me after this whole Tiger King thing because you really loved it and you really want to see me in some pain. So do that and I'll fucking, you know, if yours gets selected, I'll get it tattooed on me. And either way, uh, we'll take some video and stuff of me getting tattooed. So. You know, I don't take them well, so it'll be a lot of me and, you know, very painful faces. Uh, And other than that, guys, um, unlike this documentary, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture. Holy fuck, see, I can't even say it. Okay, let's try that again. According to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. I knew that's what you were going to sing. I knew it. <laughs> it was either in my head. It was between that or you were going to randomly start singing Eye of the Tiger. Oh, I should have. I should have. But it's too late. Tiger.